I think what they need to do is stay true to what it is that drives them. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is episode 61. In this episode, I welcome Dr. Shonda Nicole Holsley. After receiving her BA in psychology from SDSU and her MPH from Rollins University of Public Health at Emory University, she completed a doctorate of public health at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. Shonda has over 26 years experience in public health program management. She has planned, implemented, and evaluated programs both locally and nationally for organizations like the American Public Health Association, the American Lung Association, Emory University, and Hughes Spalding Children's Hospital, just to name a few. In addition to holding a professorship at Nova Southeastern University, where she teaches courses in public health, epidemiology, healthcare, and health services, she is a program evaluator consultant, grant reviewer, trainer, and research investigator. She is the founder of Healthy Aims for Little Ones and Families, a children's book author, a social media guru, and in 2018 was elected by Fleming Island Plantation voters to serve as their CDD Board Seat 1 supervisor. In this episode, Shonda shares how a devastating life event, combined with a solid education, great mentorship, and a healthy dose of networking, formed a non-traditional and incredibly rewarding career. Shonda, welcome to the show. Well, thank you first. Thank you for having me, Heather. I'm so excited. I'm so honored. I, I'm humbled that you would invite me to your podcast. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast in order, you may be seeing a pattern here of me reconnecting with people who were an early part of my journey 10, 20, 30 years ago. And Shonda is one of those. We met at San Diego State University. We shared a mentor, Dr. Terry Cronin. We did. Yes. Yeah. And then we both went on to pursue graduate degrees. I stayed in psychology. You ventured off into public health. Yeah. And what I'd love to do is talk about how you've been so creative in using the skill set that you gained through your education to really kind of paint your own canvas here. Your life is just this beautiful tapestry of diverse roles that you play and ways that you make an impact in your community. Why don't we start with where did it all begin? Oh, boy. So I'll just start a little bit from the beginning. I always knew that I wanted to go to college. And that was because my mom kind of instilled that in us. We were from an impoverished background. And so she would let us know that that was the way out. That was the way out of the hood. That was the way to a better a life for myself. And so I did well in school. And like I said, I knew I wanted to go to college. Now, the graduate degree part didn't happen. When we worked with Dr. Cronin, really, she, as you know, did research with us and let us know how important it was to go on to pursue higher education in our field. At the time, it was psychology, still behavioral sciences, because I 
did venture off to public health, but still an alignment there. And that was a way to just have a more fulfilling career in public health or psychology. So I knew that I wanted to pursue higher education as an undergraduate student. And you know what, we share that because I hadn't thought about graduate school until I met Dr. Cronin either. And I think it really speaks to the role of mentorship. Yeah, You know, for those professors out there listening to this podcast, your first generation college students probably aren't even thinking about this. I didn't even know this was an option for me. Right. I know. I agree. You said first generation. I was first generation as well. And so my mom couldn't tell me much. But one thing she always said to me, she said, Dr. Cronin is who you need to be with. You're where you're supposed to be. She loved Terry. She knew that I was in good hands. And so my mom kind of fostered that relationship as well. So I, you know, we were both flying blindly, but just kind of went with it. Just kind of went with the flow. (laughs) And it worked out. It worked out. It worked out. I'm a very spiritual person. I believe that God's grace and his mercy just kind of guide me. And true story, just this, my daughter opened a Christmas present and my younger daughter said, oh, you're so lucky. I, I forgot what she got. She got something that she wanted. And I just said, I really don't believe much in the concept of luck. I really don't. I believe in hard work. I do believe in God's blessings and his grace. But I do think that, you know, it's that hard work that kind of gets you to where you need to go. And that's where you receive the goodness of life, you know, so. And that reminds me of a saying that Dr. Cronin used to say to us whenever we had a test, instead of saying good luck, she would say, I'm not wishing you good luck. I'm going to say good skill. That's right. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So you went on to pursue a master's degree and then your doctorate in public health. Yes. And when you graduated, how did you know this is going to be my career? Like what inspired you to decide I'm not just going to apply for a job. I'm going to create my own perfect daily work life. I know. And I mean, I think about that, Heather, now, and I'm just, I'm in awe of how it all happened. But there were just some things that happened in life that kind of put me on that trajectory. One was before I earned my doctorate, I I experienced a stillbirth. And so that was very traumatic for me. The the father wasn't my husband. But, you know, I had a good support system to help get me through. And shortly after, I met my husband and we got married. And then I had Savannah, who's my oldest daughter. I thought about the loss and I just said, you know what? I want to be there for my child. And I say this all the time. I wanted to hear her first words. I wanted to see her first steps. I wanted to witness her first crawl. I wanted to take her to school. You know, I wanted to be there. Initially, I wanted to do the tenure track professor position or whatnot. But I said, I can't do that and really be there for my child like I want. And a, a lot of that, too, had to do with just my background and my mom not raising me. So there was just some things I needed to go through, a corrective experience. And so I just said, you know, <laughs> I need to be creative and see how can I use this degree to earn a living and still do what I'm passionate about. So I knew I was always passionate about community health, making an impact, the underserved community, health disparities, that kind of thing. That's when I think online teaching was kind of exploding. 
So I, I got a few jobs teaching online. My husband's in the military. We were stationed first in San Diego. So I taught at San Diego State in the public health school. And then I was faculty for this organization called the National Medical Association. So I also have a background in asthma education. I'm a certified asthma educator. So I did some clinical work in Atlanta. And an opportunity became available to do some virtual work. And I got a contract with them. And I was working with the allergy section. But I didn't know that it also entailed working with the internal medicine section, which is the largest section in the the organization. And so I started working on curriculum development, evaluation, and things like that in the medical field with a focus on African-Americans. So it was just, it was perfect for me. And I never went into an office again. (laughs) I I have not worked a nine to five since 2004. And I love it. (laughs) I love that story. Now, were you doing serious networking? Yes. I first got out of graduate school at Emory. I did my master's at Emory School of Public Health, and I implemented a pediatric asthma program that was sponsored by NIH. And so my boss, Dr. Kelvin Holloway, we kept in contact. And then in May, they created this asthma curriculum, and they wanted me to come speak from the position of an asthma educator. And so that's when I was a faculty for them for a couple of years. And then their administrator was leaving. And so they needed someone to do that administration. And so he reached out to me and I interviewed and the rest is history. I've been with them for over 10 years. So I've been doing that. And then I've, I've had the opportunity to do other things as well. So that really speaks to being active in your field. You had this passion related to asthma You got trained as a health educator. You're out there giving presentations and being open to these relationships where it allows things to just fall into place. I I think that's it. I agree. (laughs) You couldn't have, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes. (laughs) But you didn't stop there. You didn't stop there. You have created a foundation. Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's a sole proprietorship. It's called Halo for Families. And honestly, I created it initially as like a tax shelter. My husband's in the military, so we get benefits and everything from him. But I knew that I was going to be a 1099 employee, so I needed to have some write-offs. And so I created Halo as an umbrella organization for that. But it has just kind of exploded. Initially, the focus was to create resources for families in need. but to your point with networking, it's kind of expanded in that I work with like mission organizations to reach a broader population. Like for instance, I'm doing work now with the African American Wellness Project, which is a nonprofit organization based in Oakland. The founder is someone that I met at the National Medical Association. He's a pediatrician and an allergist. So that's our connection. And I'm an executive member of the team. So just recently, I wrote a grant to focus on marketing and promotion of pediatric vaccinations. And it was funded by Merck. That's my little pet project right now. So I'm really excited about that. Why don't you tell us what HALO stands for? I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay. HALO, Healthy Aims for Little Ones and Families. That's what it stands for. I've always had a passion for children. 
they're vulnerable, you know, they need advocates. And I think, again, it aligns with my background and my passion because someone raised me who wasn't my mom and she cared for me. And so I, I think I just have this affinity to just help anyone that I can, especially those that are less fortunate and more vulnerable. And thank you and your family for your service. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. And that brings us to another one of your projects. You've also published children's books. I have. And yeah. So with that, that's a, it's really a sweet story. When I got married, moved to San Diego, and I think I mentioned that we had Savannah shortly after we got married, I think a year later. And so right after her birth, like she was, I believe she was like eight or nine months. My husband had to do his first appointment and he expressed anxiety about it. You know, he was concerned. He's like, I'm leaving my child. Will she remember me? I don't want to go, that kind of thing. And he was very vulnerable and shared some of those things with me. And so I tapped into my health education hat. I thought that this was a teachable moment. <laughs> so I said, let me write a book. <laughs> and I had time on my hands. I hadn't gotten a contract with NMA yet. So <laughs> I had some time. And another mentor of mine, Marianne Solano, she's a psychologist, a clinical psychologist in Atlanta. And so she helped me. She looked at some of the content and kind of helped me with the wording and whatnot. And so basically the focus was, Mom and Baby Ensuring Dad Was Not Forgotten. The name of it is Savvy Sunshine, Will You Remember Daddy When I'm Out to Sea? And it's named after Savannah. Savannah's our oldest. I call her Savvy. That's her nickname. And she's very savvy, so it fits her great. And it was just at that time, you know, he was on the ship and it just talked about the things that mom and baby would do to make sure dad stayed relevant and present. And that one was based on an African-American family. Then I made another one for a Caucasian family. And then I did another one for a Latino family. So that was my book series. And yeah, I'm a children's author. And you serve in a public office as well. I do. So Heather, sometimes I do things and I don't, I don't think about them. <laughs> I just do it because somebody says, you should do this. And I'm like, okay, you know. <laughs> usually it works out well because I know my passions and my heart. I live in a beautiful community in Florida. It's called a Fleming Island Plantation. And we have something called a Community Development District. And that's an organization that kind of oversees the budgetary aspects of our community. And we focus on safety and some other things. And we have five CDD board representatives. And so there were seats that, that were becoming available. And my friend said, Chanda, you should run for that. We could really use you. And I said, okay. And it's actually a position that you have to be voted in. And I actually ran a campaign and I was elected for a four-year term. And so you can call me Honorable Shonda Nicole Hosley. So I'm, I'm our CDD board seat number one representative. I just think it's important to have representation of people that look like me, of women, of people that are, are compassionate and good communicators. Because that was one of the things that I read on, just good and open communication and hearing from the residents and 
partnering with them. That was one of my campaign promises. And it's been great. I've really enjoyed it. There's been a number of episodes recently where we've talked about graduate school is more than just going and getting that doctorate. You're transforming yourself. The program Mm -hmm. will transform you, will change you, and you're going to leave with this really diverse, high-level skill set that will train you for jobs outside of academia. Did anyone ever tell you that's what was happening, or did this just kind of happen for you? So one of my mentors at Emory, Kathy Minor, she kind of said some things like that. One of the things that she wouldn't say is oftentimes our lives are not spent in plan A. You know, we have to have a plan B, C, sometimes D. And I think that kind of started me to think about life beyond the usual travel roads, you know, and also developing those skills. I had a very strong foundation in program development, program evaluation. That was a big key because coming out of school, we learned that we have to show the success of our programs to continue to get additional funding. So that was a a good skill that I really mastered. I have excellent editing, writing skills. So I've been able to make money doing that. You know, so I think, yes, I started to learn some of those things, especially once I realized, okay, I don't think I'm going to go down this tenure track road. You know, what else can I do? I love the flexibility. You know, I'm like this butterfly. I just need to spread my wings and just do all kinds of things. And so I, I can't really be bogged down into one thing. So you didn't stay pigeonholed. Right. Basically. Yeah. What advice would you give people in graduate school that really aren't sure what they're going to do when they finish? We know that the job market is such that there just aren't a lot of those those old tenure track jobs. I mean, when you and I were an undergrad, I think that's kind of what we were being groomed for. Yeah. But as time has gone on and the world has changed, education has changed, what kind of advice would you give someone who's in the middle of a program and wondering what they're going to do when they graduate? Well, one of the things that Dr. Miner mentioned to me was, it's always good to have some informational interviews with people who are doing things that you think that you might want to do, something that seems uh, interesting. Just And now what, we have social media and LinkedIn. So now if there's somebody that's doing something that you think interests you, or that's something that, you know, that's an area that you can see yourself entering, I would pick up the phone or send a LinkedIn text or whatever, and try to talk to those people to get some insight and see how did they get there. Because I think too now we're able to navigate more so than in the past, navigate our career. Even with one of the things that you didn't mention, but with social media, I have a prowess for social media. So I've been able to teach public health information, but through the social media platform. I've even had some social media contracts for small organizations. I think what they need to do is stay true to what it is that drives them. So for me, it's community health, it's health disparity issues, it's teaching, it's focusing on African-Americans and people of color and the underserved and focusing on health promotion and disease prevention. So that's my staple. And everything else that I do kind of revolves around that. So I would tell them, focus on what it is that they're passionate about and then think about ways 
that they can engage in those efforts. And it may be traditional, it may be non-traditional, but there are so many opportunities. And also we mentioned mentorship. I don't think either one of us would be where we are if it were not for Dr. Cronin. So I think it's very important to to be a mentor and then also to be a good mentee. (laughs) You know, you you have to do your part too. So So identify your why, figure out what it is that you're here to do, what issue it is that you want to be a part of, what problem you want to solve, and then be open to opportunities and network, advocate for yourself. Don't be afraid to send that message or, or make that phone call and look for a mentor. Yes. That's it. Yes. That's that's it in a nutshell. That's it in a nutshell. And I think people are willing, people want to help others. I can speak for myself. I get so much gratitude from helping others and seeing them excel and, you know, reach higher heights and deeper depths. That's one of the things I always say. I say that to my kids. I want you to reach higher heights and deeper depth. And I get gratitude from seeing that in in individuals. I think that there are a lot of people out there just willing to help others. I agree. So would you say that that is your your go-to quote? I usually end the show asking, do you have a favorite quote or some final words of wisdom? Would you say that's your go-to? That's my go-to. I say, I like to do whatever it is that I can to help individuals reach higher heights and deeper depth. I love it. Well, Shonda, thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule. And I will have all the links to your social media and ways people can contact you in the show notes. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. If you love listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, would you mind supporting me? The best way you can do this is by sharing your favorite episodes with a friend or two, or heck, maybe three. All episodes are available on most podcast directories, my YouTube channel, and my website. To make it easy, I'll pop these links in the show notes below. And if you really love this free content, then visit me at expandyourhappy.com where you can pick up some Happy Doc Student swag. Until next time, here's to more joy in your journey. One more thing. Just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only.